0: welcome back to another episode of the capes and tights podcast i'm your host justin Soderberg. we're back for another episode with another comics creator another creator writer whatever you want to call him he's an extraordinarily talented writer of both tv film video games comic books novels everything you can think of mark guggenheim he is currently working on torrent he just finished up fragmentation over at dark horse which is an original graphic novel he is also writing a. Uh, uh, he just finished up writing Han Solo and Chewbacca over at Star Wars, Lucasfilm, and Marvel, as well as has a had a graphic novel come out, Too Soon to Die over at Image. He's also the writer of one of my favorite comic books of all time, Last Flight Out. But he's also worked on Blade, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, Just Society of America, Arrow, Batman Legends of the Dark, and Stringers in the past for comic books, as well as the Arrow TV show, Legends of Tomorrow. Supergirl, and Trollhunters TV show, which also the book that Trollhunters was written uh, based off of was co-written by former guest Daniel Krause of the podcast. He's also worked on the Granny Lantern film, Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters, video games such as Perfect Dark Zero, Call of Duty 3, and much more. So in this episode, we talked about his comic books, random things in the industry, Star Wars, and so much more. So enjoy this episode before you do check us out on facebook twitter and instagram as well as apple spotify and all your major podcasting platforms five stars please rate review comment subscribe all those things enjoy this episode with mark guggenheim writer of books such as torrent fragmentation and last flight out enjoy everyone welcome how are you mark i'm very good how are you i'm doing wonderful i've always i see this every once in a while it's like always funny because we do these pleasantries before we press record yeah. and then we really like a
1: pretend that we just met uh but uh it's, we it's, do a it's
0: practice vibe nice
1: again um, and, and thanks for having
0: me on I, I really absolutely yes we're, we're big fans here uh, i'm a big fan i i I've read a lot of your stuff, and, and I've been very happy with a lot of the stuff that you did. I have a couple behind me, if anybody can see who's watching that. this thing. Yeah, there's some things back there. Uh, it's kind of funny because I stumbled upon that Stephen King N at, at the LCS, I don't know, two weeks ago. And I was just like, what's this thing? You get a lot of <laughs> collection. And I picked it up, and I'm looking at it, it says Guggenheim at the bottom. I'm like, hey, I know.
1: <laughs> it's a funny, and, like, and when that you stumble upon things. Yes. It was one of the, the, my most favorite things I've ever done for Marvel.
0: There you go. And that's, that's perfect. Now I got it back there. It's yeah. beautiful cover. Stephen King's yes. name is bigger than your name.
1: That's as it should be, as it should be. Um, you know, I tell you that, that doing that project was the thing that kind of got me back into Stephen King. Like I read mm-hmm. Stephen King's stuff a lot in high school and then I kind of just like fell off. And, um, you know, this is a number of years ago now that I did, uh, the adaptation of event, which appeared in, uh, just after, just after mm-hmm. sunset. And, um, but I, it really got me, Like I was like, I obviously read the short story and I'm like, oh, wait a second. I forgot how much I enjoy Stephen King stuff. So I'd started just reading everything he was doing. And yeah, he's one of my favorite, favorite authors.
0: It was, uh, I I had, we talked about this before we started recording, but I live in Bangor, Maine and I yes. live down the street technically from Stephen King's house. And I didn't, it wasn't until about, I don't know, my, my 30 years old where I read my first Stephen King book and even see my first Stephen, excuse me, Stephen King movie and i felt like a, not a true maner because of that and so now i'm just obsessed i love all this stuff so it's i i, I feel like i missed 30 years of my life of, of oh, 30. i wasn't gonna read stephen king books when i was one but <laughs> I, you know i missed a while of my life uh with stephen king so uh the fact that he does his books have been added adaptations in comic books makes me happy too because i liked comic books a lot more than i like novels and sure. so, reading things like n or other books that have like uh, Dark Tower and things like that yep. that are in comic book form is really cool in that sense, too. But, uh, you know, Stephen King is a is a, a great author, and having your name on there is pretty cool, too, I would imagine
1: I, it was extremely cool. It was uh, very, very cool. And also, um, we did a motion comic in connection. Like, it actually started out as a motion comic first, and then I built it out uh, to be a a full-on miniseries graphic novel. Um, But uh, when they published Just After Sunset, they published editions with a DVD in the back that contained the motion comic, which was like, Mm. oh, that's kind of cool. That's really Uh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, those, like I said, one of my favorite gigs.
0: They can't do that now because my dad complains about no one has DVD players anymore. (laughs) no now you do
1: like a qr code or something yes Where yeah. you can go
0: out and see it online but it was just kind of funny my dad's like yeah i tried to give someone a dvd they're like i don't have a dvd player i don't know what no. do. <laughs> well dude, do i like yeah it's
1: like it does it's so funny but uh, is-
0: it's it's crazy how things have changed and i think that's funny how with comic books It's still people want that paper i think a lot of people like web web comics and reading digitally i mean i read a lot via my ipad but like holding a physical paper comic book is still going to be superior to anything else. So I, I think that we won't have to worry about in the comic book industry, it's going away completely. It may phase to a mostly graphic novel trade paperback side of things where people get it all as a collected edition, but I think holding something, collecting something is still going to be big in the comic book industry in my, my opinion.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That's, uh, you know, the whole tactile uh, approach and, you know, we're, you know, fans, you know, we fans are a, a group of collectors as much as we are readers mm-hmm. and as much as we are fans so uh you know it that ho- hopefully you know hopefully knock on wood it won't it won't go away exactly but i mean so marco let's back
0: up a little bit how did you get into uh, as a younger lad did you collect and read comic books as a young age or was it something you got into later on in life how what's your comp origin story
1: let's oh, i i tell you it's I got into it so young that I don't even really remember <laughs> my origin story. Like I, you know, one of my earliest memories was like before I could read, just sitting on the floor of my bedroom, flipping through a Superman comic. And I, I don't even know where I got it from. I, I did have these neighbors that lived across the street who were like, a, you know, a bunch of years, like at least 10 years older than me. And uh, the older brother had a collection that he would often give me comic books out of. Um, so I got a lot of, you know, I got a lot of my early collection, um, you know, from him, he hooked me up with a lot of Superman, a lot of World's Finest. Um, you know, when I was old enough, like, you know, I was like six or something to be able to bike, bike around the neighborhood. I would go to this local stationery store and buy, you know, comic books off the rack. Um, that's the rack. Um, and literally that's the rack. Um mm-hmm. You know, and i just sort of built out my you know my reading uh and my collection from there but yeah for the longest time like as long as i can remember i've i've been into comics
0: speaking of that rack really quickly um is that stuff that you have created that's in that rack
1: yes like 90 i would say 99 percent of it um okay. there's a couple of, like dc comps that i i pulled uh in order to read but yes everything else is stuff i've written um that's cool, so cool. that's it's like when a full circle thing, from... like
0: buying comic it's books out of something, and then creating something, and being able to put it back on that rack is pretty bad. It's so honestly. surreal. Man.
1: <laughs> it's weird. It's it's a great kind of weirdness, but it's very surreal. Um, like how the hell did this happen? How did I get here? Um, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Really, really amazing. I uh, I, I see amazing. it.
0: I see it on a slightly smaller level. I, I also design uh, beer can labels for a brewery, and so cool. whenever I go into a store, and our beer cans are on the shelf. It's one of those things too that someone actually goes up there, and a lot of things people buy via vision, like sight and seeing something, and yes, like liking the way it looks. And so, seeing yep. someone goes, "Oh, I like that four pack," and they grab that beer. It's it's surreal to me still. I'm starting to come a little yep. numb to it to the point where someone I'm like, "Oh, it's no big deal." I, it's, it's in a bunch of stuff. Never get numb to it.
1: <laughs> never get never get numb to it. I think it's it's always important that we remind ourselves, you know, that that what we do is you know is appreciated by other people and that it's cool, you know, we get to do cool stuff. And that's awesome.
0: It's 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 insane. One of the biggest things to me was I went to my hometown where I grew up when I was up until the age of 10 in Kittery, Maine. And there was a little convenience store there that had a beer can in there. And that was that whole like full circle kind of thing. The same thing. I mean, is that shop? Is that shop that you got that 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 shop still around? Or is that
1: that hey, kids? It's gone long since gone. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, It's a real bummer. In fact, there were, there were sort of two stationary stores in town that I uh, bought comic books from. One was the one I could bike to, and the other was sort of down the hill from my high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both gone. Now, yeah. Uh, which is a shame. There's even like a, a comic book store in town. I, I grew up in a small town in in Long Island. Um, and even that comic book store is gone. Yeah, it's, it's uh, no, no remnants of it. It's kind of a shame.
0: It is a shame because I feel like a lot of you see these like... Uh, uh, store variants for comic books I see like yeah. these different store titles in there that feel like they're like all fairly new but yet the older book yeah. comic book stores kind of had this phase of like troublesome that they weren't able to stay open now it seems like they're more successful stores uh it's a little bit not easier but it's a little easier to run a store nowadays than it was a few years ago and I, my buddy's shop is turning four this summer and he's just thriving and oh. that's this cool thing it's like but then there's other oh, shops were around for 30 years who ended up having to close <laughs>
1: I know it's, I tell you, it's, it's very cyclical and it's a challenging business. I, I don't, uh, I, I, you know, I don't envy retailers. They uh, really have it difficult, you know, no matter, no matter, you know, where you are in the country or what time of year you're, you, you're in, it's, it's, it's a tough business. Yeah,
0: but it's, I, I don't know. I just diving more into it. I love it so much. So, but with you, we wear so oh, many yeah, hats, oh, you, are, you, you wear so Yeah, many you do you come a comic book fan obviously a comic book writer uh but you also are a tv uh, writer producer things like that so what does a typical day look like for mark
1: good question there is no <laughs> typical day to be honest with you. um you know it's it's funny like i i used to like w- when i had a show on the air yeah. i you know pre-pandemic and i had a writers room and an office to go up into uh remember offices Um, and I, I would like wake up at like five in the morning and write, usually I'd, I'd either write a comic book or like some portion of a comic book, or if I was working on a movie, I would, I would do sort of my non-show writing then. And then I'd go into the office and do a full day, you know, whatever show I was working on, come home, have dinner, you know, be with the kids and the wife, and then probably write for another hour, hour and a half on again, something that was non-show related and then like on the weekends do passes of scripts uh for whatever show or shows i was working on so yeah like and now like i kind of i try to sort of now if i can set aside different days to do different things like you know like oh i owe a revision on this script or i really want to get started on that script and and i try to do you know, as best I can to set aside an entire day to do that, it's, it's you know, kind of nice to just be able to do a deep dive, but I don't always get to do that because I, I do juggle a lot of different things and I and I have a bunch of different deadlines. Um, so a lot of times they'll be like, you know, start something, you know, okay, I got what I wanted to get done in a given day on that, move on to the next thing. It, it really totally depends. I, I love the fact that not every, you know, every day is different than nothing's ever the same that that's kind of part of the fun of it
0: i mean but so you obviously have when you're right when you were writing when you had a show on tv you had times where you're writing and obviously there's months that you have off correct or you're not like writing
1: 365 days a year i'm writing about 365 <laughs> days a year um i you know between between tv film and comics i yeah. i managed to stay, to stay pretty busy um so you know, I mean there, look, there are days where I'm not writing. Um, but even then a lot of times those are days where I'm like sort of breaking story or doing notes. Like I'll I'll you know you know, the, the sort of the, the first step for any in any project for me is I'll write longhand um and just sort of free associate and just okay. write notes and story ideas and whatever. And you know, it's writing, but it's not writing it's it's Mm -hmm. its own sort of animal um so i'll do that a lot too
0: okay it just i it's funny i I talked to a number of people obviously on the podcast and and i feel like the other person similar to you when i was trying to put together some lists of things to to reread or look at something as Colin bunn right now who has like Mm. one of the busiest like every week i just see like a new solicitation for a new comic book he is coming out but that Colin's not doing much on the tv side whereas you're like you just feel like at some point you have so much stuff going on that I'm just like I, I literally asked you jokingly before we recorded, how do you do it? And I'm trying to figure: Do you <laughs> have clones? Is there multiple marks out there somewhere? Do you have little machines that are doing something? I'm trying to figure.
1: That it out. That would be great. I I'd love that. I, I'll tell you my, my my dirty secret is I'm pretty fast. That that's okay. my you know that, that's you know and it's it you know speed is is something that comes from training um and practice like. I you know used to be an attorney, and um when you have to write a fifty page brief in a night, you learn very fast how to make decisions and I think that's the thing that that slows a lot of writers down is like they they'll sit there over the page and they they can't decide if they're going to go left or right or mm-hmm. what the characters should say in any given moment and and I have just gotten very good at making those decisions you know faster than than average, I guess I could say.
0: And is there a big difference between like writing it? I mean, obviously, with the writing a TV show, you have a writer's room, whereas writing a comic book, it's basically you. And, you know, obviously, you're bouncing up ideas off your artists, things like that. But is there a difference in that sense where you have like a team of writers for a TV show versus just yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly having a staff is great, uh, especially yeah. when you're facing the blank page, you know, mm-hmm. the, the idea of like, okay, what's this season going to be it's (laughs) it's great to have a group of of writers who can help you figure that out and who are you know if if i do a good job you know staffing a show they're smarter than me and they're more talented than me and they're going to you know come up with ideas i could never come up with in a million years um and yeah it's you know it's it's at the same time like it's i love writing comics and i love writing films where it is just me you know it's I, i the one of the reasons I do so many different things in so many different mediums is because the grass is always greener. So there are advantages to comic books that television doesn't have. There are advantages to film that TV doesn't have. Like it it, you know, it it's always nice to be able to go like, okay, well, you know, at, at least I'm doing this in this medium, which doesn't have those problems. Yeah. Um, and then I just move move around throughout the <laughs> throughout the week.
0: Uh, it, it's funny i just looking at your your like tv show uh, you know by what you have for like credits to your name of like that and i realized that you did troll hunters you worked on troll yeah. hunters uh tales of arcadia is that what it is yep, yep. and uh which is funny because uh, not long ago we had daniel krauss on who was the co-author oh. of the book troll yeah. hunters and I, I love those like small world kind of things are like obviously not that small it's both in the industry of comic books or, or pop culture but i'm saying like the fact that they, you guys had worked on that same thing, and we actually, I really enjoyed the conversation with Daniel. Daniel's a t- talented writer, and so seeing your ability yeah. to adapt uh, him and obviously Guillermo's uh, book, Troll Hunters. I have it on the shelf over there. I haven't got a chance to read it yet. <laughs> I will be honest with you. Yeah, it's dad, great. Will, it, yeah. It's
1: a fun read. Uh, very. It's funny. Like you see a lot of similarities and a lot of differences between okay. you know what Daniel Guillermo wrote and what you know we ended up doing for the the animated series um yeah it's funny i came to troll hunters kind of like in this sort of backwards kind of way um originally troll hunters was a uh a feature film you mm-hmm. know animated but a, a feature film and not a tv series and guillermo had written the first 60 pages and then another writer whose name i unfortunately don't remember anymore um came on and wrote the second 60 pages and the script basically felt like what it was which is you know sort of this frankenstein version of two different writers um and you know my job was to a make both voices sort of singing key but also um you know like kind of simplify the story streamline it a bit um you know just make it work better as a as a feature film and uh, i in doing so i ended up pulling up a lot of track and and Mm -hmm. like you know cutting a, a bunch of characters and stuff and and we still had there was so much world building you know, that Guillermo and Daniel had done, we still had too much stuff for a two-hour movie. Uh, so it was like this breath of fresh air when DreamWorks and Netflix asked us if we would be willing to do it as a series.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I got to ch- get a chance to, there's just so much stuff to take. Oh, yeah. I, I was listening to a podcast earlier and it was like talking about old stuff versus new stuff and like how some stuff is worth rewatching over the stuff that's new out there. But there's just so mm-hmm. much content now for us that like, 30 years from oh. now, is there gonna be that thing which is like, oh, I really wanna rewatch that stuff just because there's so much that you can't really grasp uh-huh. into stuff, it, it's insane.
1: <laughs> I hear you, man, I, I'm right there with you. In fact, I, I really, I love rewatching things, but I've been really trying to resist that temptation because it's like, why am I gonna rewatch something when there's a million things mm-hmm. that I haven't seen yet? Um, you know, and that's true, I think, for all of us.
0: But comparing new versus old too, because I had, I had seen Rocky, for example, but I hadn't seen any of the other Rocky movies, and then oh. I really wanted to watch Creed, and I hadn't oh. seen Creed yet. So now I'm like, well, might as well just watch all of the Rocky movies, even whether they're good or bad. I just feel like I need to get yeah. it done instead of watching something that I've seen over again. I'm like, why don't I watch something from you know the late '70s, early '80s, and then on, uh, and then and catch up on stuff, and then be able to watch. And I ended up watching Creed out of order because I just I really wanted to watch Creed. <laughs> but uh, that's cool. That's yeah. very very cool. I am Watching old stuff, oh, I say old stuff, older stuff. Even if you haven't seen it yet, is still new stuff in a sense, and that's what I'm like. I don't know. I'm just thinking thirty years from now, trying to figure out my kid is two, when he's around my age, what he's going to be like grasping (laughs) to, wanting to rewatch. Like you know, is it going to be a Back to the Future or Indiana Jones or Star Wars for him to watch? Then I I just don't know what it would be. I mean, it can be. DC stuff it could be Marvel stuff it could be anything but I just don't I'm trying to figure out which that is it going to be Creed is that going to be his Rocky <laughs> In fact, probably
1: actually <laughs> the rate they're going um yes. you know I, I love that I love that there's yeah. so much great stuff out there you know very very different from when I was growing up you know um I was growing up when Star Wars was new and Indiana Jones was new and um it's uh it's it's fun to sort of see how everything has aged
0: hmm it's it's amazing. I am trying and I'm excited. I'm hoping that my son loves comic books as much as I do. But I would understand him not liking comic books as much as I do because I like them a lot. <laughs> so obviously, I kind of I have a conversational podcast I'm about stop. talking about you're good talking yeah. about po- uh, comic books. So um you have written a few though, right? I mean, obviously we have a few to talk oh, yeah. about right here. Uh, your most recent single issues are uh, what torrent uh, over at
1: Image? Is that correct? Yeah. Um, Torrent over at Image, and I've been doing Han Solo and Chewbacca yes. uh, for Marvel. Um, it's just wrapped up, right? I mean, had you know, the, last... the worst... Ouch. Okay. Good. I don't know how much of that you can edit out. Uh, that's, or
0: not. It doesn't really matter because you know what? You're not sneezing on me, huh? Adam. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I don't have COVID, I swear. Well, it's
0: funny. I, I, it's a joke about that. My wife literally just got over COVID. Um, and I've I've had to uh quarantine or she's quarantined in the bedroom she was quarantined in the bedroom and then I was in the uh, living room on an air mattress with my two year old son and I just gave so much out of respect to the people who were single parents out there because I was like I don't know how you do it. Oh <laughs> oh my it, God.
1: It's a two-person job for sure. Just just wait. Uh but yeah, but yeah
0: you're not sneezing on me. So I, I don't really play uh, whatever Is that a big <laughs> we can add, well, we that's... can edit it out. Yeah. Okay.
1: Excellent, excellent. <laughs> one of the multiple benefits of Zoom exactly right
0: uh but yeah so Tori han solo i'd love to get touching on holo solo and chewbacca it just wrapped up uh right the the last issue of this this arc uh, or the series came out um this past past wednesday and the i guess the question i really had before we get into anything else we're obviously talking about star wars right now so um we all learned and 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 got introduced to han solo and chewbacca via screen via movies And obviously I think Star Wars does some of the best comic books that are like, you know, that are in the whole realm of between movies and TVs and connecting things and not connecting things and and understanding and furthering the story. What's it like though? We're having to write, first of all, what's it like? It's like a pinch me moment writing characters like Han Solo and Chewbacca. And also like, what's it like to try to have to like also live up to the expectation people have because those movies are so great.
1: Uh, well, I tell you, it's it's definitely a pinch me moment because yeah. you know, I remember I was six years old when Star Wars first came out, and I, I vividly recall that whole experience of of watching the movie. Um and Star Wars is it it burns so it's one of the like brightest stars in my in my sky. Um and at the same time I, I do, when I sit down to write, I do have to sort of put all that aside because otherwise the pressure would be crippling. Like there, there would be no way that I could like appreciate the magnitude of what I'm doing and still write. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I never want to, like we talked about it in, in before the show, like mm-hmm. you never want to lose that that sense of wonder and that sense of like, you know, oh my God, what a privilege it is to, you know, do these things and write these characters. but. Um, I, I found that I wouldn't be able to get of neutral if I didn't you know, sort of table that for the time being, um, because otherwise, yeah, nothing would get done. Um you know, i am very fortunate in that I can like recite whole passages of dialogue from the first three movies. um mm-hmm. you know, I've seen them so many times. And that's particularly helpful when you're writing, you know, characters like Han and Chewie, because I'm in many ways, I'm, I'm sort of drafting off of a certain muscle memory um, that's been built up from simply watching all three of the original films mm-hmm. like too many times to count. Um, so that that's sort of helpful. Like these are very familiar voices to me as, as characters. Um, but uh, it's it's been on such a labor of love. I, just, I've, I think I've, I've been writing comic books for the last 17 years. And um, like writing Han and Chewy is like some of my most fun, like the the most fun I've had in comic books.
0: I obviously wrapped it up. Are you are you planning? Are you hoping to write more Star Wars comics in the future? Or is this just basically a one and done thing?
1: No, actually, I'm really lucky. Marvel's been super wonderful. Lucasfilm has been super wonderful. Um, I've got a one shot uh, centered in Jabba's Palace for the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi coming out. Uh, And I'm working on another mini series that I can't yet talk about. Um, But that's uh a lot of fun i'm i'm we're working my way through that right now about halfway through um and uh my hope is that there'll be more you know on the on the other side of that uh, mm-hmm. because I, I love i just love star wars and i love writing in that universe it's uh it's just so much fun
0: that's amazing and i'm trying to focus so last year we did a star wars week here on the podcast where we watched uh the uh we watched the prequel movies because the idea... I had a co-host at one point. He moved to Indiana, so this ended up not working out very well. Zoom and then time change and his new job and all this other stuff. Long story, but mm-hmm. we, we moved on to just me being the host. And, and at that time, we had done episodes one, two, and three. And we were like during Star Wars week we we, talk, we watched the movies we talked about them and so on. our plan was to continue on and get to yeah. four five and six and so on. Yeah. Well, it's we've stopped at one two and three because it's obviously changed a little bit of the format of the show. So this year's Star Wars sure. week we're actually introducing we're actually going to be talking to some comic book creators and oh. uh, on on the week so it's pretty pretty cool in that sense. So if we continue cool. this uh, this this trend we'll have to get you back on to talk Star Wars Absolutely. in more depth about that stuff Love too it. so i had actually reached out to uh, uh david messina messina is gonna do a email back and forth interview with me uh to oh, talk awesome. about his, his work on, on on obviously on on, Halo, oh. on solo and shoe and other stuff he's done as well uh but he just felt, we felt like that was the better format for david because of his uh not so great sure. speaking english he's, so he was like yes on. he's like yes and so he's like uh yeah i can do it but i don't think i would be best for us so it's like let's do it i'll rattle some questions off to you you answer them we'll do a post on the website that's fine so he'll be a feature on that week too but uh he was obviously the artist on on han solo and chewy
1: as well and so an incredibly incredible. talented artist and and did such a fantastic job i mean really really fantastic job
0: i mean i did ask him what was his worst part about working with you so don't worry about that
1: don't don't look for that guy. that's okay that's okay. i'm sure and, and that was probably the whole interview right he probably had a lot to say um <laughs> No, no, I, so I like, love David. I, I love working with him. Um, what? What a just so just quite frankly, really pleasant, great attitude, and it was really bringing it on the pages, and we were very much in sync. It was it was a real joy.
0: I feel like that's the Italian artist out there, though. I feel like there's not a single Italian artist that I've actually no. talked to or or been introduced to or had conversations about, where people are like, "Yeah, the person's horrible." Every single one of them, they're like, that's "Excellent, point, excellent artist Theater. and great cool. person." <laughs>
1: you're right because i'm i'm uh working with alessandro moracolo um mm-hmm. on the Jabba's palace and also i forgot i'm doing three issues of yoda as well and alessandro's the arch for that too and you're right he's he's also equally delightful. <laughs> so yeah there's there's something uh, about uh italian artists um, something in the yeah, water which, over by there, way, i guess yeah for sure <laughs> But so you you obviously
0: uh, are writing uh, some sort of intellectual property. You've worked on TV shows with intellectual property that belongs to someone else that you're playing with their toys. But then you obviously do something like Torrent, uh, which is a creation that you have complete utter control over that you can, if you, if you write yourself into a corner, you can write yourself out without pissing anybody off because this is your own creation (laughs) that no one else, you you don't have to answer to anybody else but yourself.
1: (laughs) And and that's very much, that's certainly like one of the pluses. It's also one of the raison d'etre of Torrent's, Specifically, like with Torrance, I'm, I'm constantly trying to write myself into corners. Like, I'm doing it very intentionally, you know, with with sort of the knowledge that, you know, yeah, I'm not going to have the head of the studio, um, you know, or the head of the network call me up and yell at me. That's really, really, really nice. Not that, by the way, not that the head of no, Warner yes. Brothers or the CDN, <laughs> yeah. like, actually yelled at me. Um, but but yes, it's, it's just wonderful to uh, have that type of freedom. It's... Um, and working with Justin Greenwood, uh, who I've worked with before on, uh, on-, on Oni projects, um, uh, Resurrection Stringers, just absolutely, you know, fantastic to work with. Also, wonderful. Despite not being Italian, uh, yes. his uh, attitude uh, is also very, uh, very positive and terrific. And his
0: bo- his artwork works so great. I think with your writing and the way this book works, I think the superhero esque, uh, you know, or style of it. I-, I read. I was introduced to really into his. Uh, artwork with area 510 uh the, the yeah. graphic the trade or graphic novel that he did over is it is that Oni? i believe that's Oni.
1: uh that's uh oh gosh i don't know um is it Oni? but uh, oh, i had oh. i had it no, here right
0: it's Oni, up here. It it's Oni oh. yeah it's Oni, uh which is right. really good that was a really yeah. good one too but like reading it and seeing it and one thing i will say is that you know the so i'll read the solicitation really quickly for people who haven't ra- read this book michelle Metcalf. Is it, is world's most happy-go-lucky superhero or hero Jack, until tragedy forces her to cross the line from hero into vigilante. Vigilante, vigilante.
1: Yeah, I say vigilante. Uh, uh, I I always say vigilante, but you're also you know what? Here's the thing: you're close enough to Canada yeah. that you can you can probably get away with saying, saying anything. Vigi- vigilante. <laughs> well, well, no, just you know vigilante. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it, first issue came out February fifteenth. February doesn't know. but
1: yeah. It, it, uh, it just it just sounds more it sounds more um more sophisticated does it yeah, yeah you're right I mean I don't know I, mean, I guess
0: like I I every time I listen to someone who like uh what was I just oh, I was reading an article about something oh my my because my wife had COVID I was just making sure my son was okay so so obviously looking up symptoms on the internet like a stupid person because I just put myself into a hole um but I was reading it and I was like it says nappy what the hell's a nappy and I'm like oh at the websites. .uk. they are talking about a diaper <laughs> anyways, ah! I'm this up, like, every time i hear someone else's like like i said, I said like either accent or way they say things i'm always like i wish i said it that way so whatever way i want to say it i guess i say i'm not is it i guess it's not wrong to say vigilante right vigilante no not at all no, it's,
1: it's funny you're, you're reminding me of you know when i was working on arrow and legends um you know we shot in vancouver mm-hmm. and and I, I always had to make sure, you know, because the show is, is, you know, both shows were sort of set in America, you know, with American actors. Um, I always wanted to make sure that we weren't like throwing the audience by adding in like a, you know, a, you know, a, a Canadian kind of accent. Um, so um, and every once in a while, like we'd have to kind of like address that in in, uh, in what's called ADR.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Take out the take out the Canadian, <laughs> um, you know. Um, there was one particular word which is escaping me that always sounded different. It was a word that we used a lot on Arrow. Um, it'll it'll eventually come to me. Uh, it wasn't but, Arrow. Uh, was it? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no. can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> that'd be so difficult? <laughs> uh, no, the thing, the thing about, uh, the tricky thing about Arrow was, um, you know, all, there's no such thing as blanks when you're firing a bow and arrow. Yes. Um, so you've got to, you've got to do it all digitally. And um, so every time, you know, he fires an arrow, that's like, you know, it's like about 2500 yeah. Um And I remember we were filming, um, we were filming the season finale of season two. Um and one of the actors, you know, because we have the big tunnel fight, and one of the actors was going. Tch, tch, tch. I'm like, could you please just slow down a little bit? Because, like, you're costing the show a fortune that we don't have. We we used to joke that the reason it's called Arrow is because that's the grand that's the number of arrows we could afford.
0: Yes, one. <laughs> yes. You just go shoot it. I guess you got to like get it to the angle where the camera cuts off the end of the thing so that you can't tell that it's actually being shot. Just the it's sound, really, sound mean, effects. You
1: know, yeah, well, actually, the, the you joke, but it's, that's what kind of what we would do in the editing room is like, okay, you know, we can probably cut a cut away from some of these, you know, some of these shots and save ourselves some money. We were always trying to save money. It was, you know, there there was never enough, never enough money to do the shots.
0: What was I? I was watching some sort of show or behind the scenes thing. Where someone wrote the song for when was it? I forget what it was now. This is gonna sound so stupid, but like there was a show, a sitcom where the main actor, it uh, might've been Brian Cranston on, um, what was that show he was on uh, with? Um, Malcolm in the Middle. Yes. Where the song, there's like a song or, or a sound effect that was made or a word. He says something on the show and he got it trademarked. Or licensed it that's what it was when he plays a song or does something on the show you get it licensed so then the studio actually had to pay him technically every time Genius. that he did it he whistled that's what it was he whistled the oh, tune wow. and every time he whistled the tune he eventually at some point like i don't know after the first couple episodes his, someone was like you should license that or get that recorded so you could license it, you get it you know wow. so that he goes through the the um you know, ad, whatever the the music licensing uh, company is, and so every time they do it, so he would do it, and they'd be like, "Will you stop doing that? That's the third time you've done this, this I, episode." I love it. <laughs> and,
1: like, I lo- and, and like then the he can ting. get he gets
0: more royalties off of it now that the show, like when the show gets aired later on too, because he gets it then too. It was this whole thing. It was a, I was like, "Oh my god, so that's smart. amazing."
1: <laughs>
0: he <laughs> he's like, as smart as Walter White. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, but on torrent though, well, back to torrent a little bit on here is. Justin Greenwood's amazing. Obviously, uh, colors from uh, Rico Renzi and uh, Keith Wood, uh, but yeah, it's a superhero comic book. And yeah. what I give respect to you for is trying that, a eh? uh, because that's a huge. Yeah, I, I
1: didn't mean- realize how hard it was until I until like until we tried to like sell the book. It's like, oh wait <laughs> a second, like it's there's a reason why no one you know creates new superheroes. Everyone who wants to read superheroes is spending all their money on DC and Marvel stuff. Oops. Yeah.
0: Um, but but it works and that's the thing and so like one of those things I, I think about you know obviously robert kirkman was able to do it with invincible and and there's yeah. other there is a way to do it and i think that yes. there's something it, it, just as simple as saying this is a superhero comic book is obviously not going to sell it but by explaining and what's obviously you have your like one sentence uh, uh solicitation that was in previous world and all that stuff but what's your elevator pitch for torrent
1: The the way I, you know, sort of quickly pitch it is I I really reduce it down to its roots, its original, you know, its origin Um, Mm -hmm. and its origin was really to start out as a thought experiment, which is what would it take to turn Spider-Man into into the Punisher? Um, And that's that's really, you know, the again, at the risk of being reductive, that's kind of the elevator pitch. It's like, you know, what if you know what? If something happened in Spider-Man's life that forced him to go down this very dark path, now obviously it's not Spider-Man, it's not the Punisher, but that—that mm-hmm. that was the initial impetus behind it. Um, and it's what what I in in sort of writing it, what I realized is that it became an opportunity for me to explore a lot of the issues that we explored in Arrow in terms of morality and violence mm-hmm. and the line between hero and vigilante and between vigilante and villain, but without you know the corporate oversight that we were talking about earlier um so it is you know I, I in many ways i don't feel like i'm treading the same ground uh i feel like i'm treading you know similar ground very very differently um mm-hmm. which is really rewarding um because i i do find you know i do find these issues of you know when is violence necessary and when is violence just um you know and and that those those questions I think speak all you know not just to the writer in me but the former lawyer in me. Um mm-hmm. so it's fun like actually like issue two deals with the real world ramifications of the you know the superheroes on the, the criminal justice system. Um mm-hmm. so that's that's a lot of fun. And I think you know Michelle the protagonist Michelle's decision about how to square the circle between what is needed for justice and what the justice system can actually provide, uh, I think, is really unexpected and makes for a really cool cliffhanger at the end of issue two. First of all, I, I,
0: how many compa creators are there that used to be lawyers? Because I feel like it's a very common thing.
1: <laughs> It's—I'll uh, tell you—it's three. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's Bill Mantlo who created Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. Uh, it's myself and Trollsoul.
0: Yeah, okay. so, so, I just—I don't know why. Uh, very I mean, because...
1: small. It's a small group. uh It is it's a, a small, small, is a small
0: group. group, but I feel like I, I, out of yeah, I read a lot of your comic books, and one of my favorite writers of all time is Charles Soule. So, like, it's probably why I feel like it's a lot more than it actually is. But when you said you were a former lawyer, I was like, wait, I feel like I've heard that story before. Yeah, it's,
1: well, it's, it's true. Serious. Like Charles and I, Charles and I, like reached out to each other before Comic Con one year, basically mm-hmm. saying, like, you know, it's we should like meet each other like we, we should just know who who the other person is um and and we hit it off and, and we've been friends for like you know over 10 years now but um it it it's like yeah there's not a lot of people with our kind of background and charles to his credit um I tell you you want to talk about like ability to write a lot of things um charles puts me to shame man i don't say that about a lot of people uh, <laughs> and charles for the longest time was writing comics while still maintaining his law practice. That's <laughs> so I know. Right. Like the, the mind just, you know, the mind just withers at, at that thought. Um, but he's, you know, he's just that good and he's yeah. just that capable.
0: It's, it's funny. That, and and that's, uh and he also writes Star Wars stuff too. So like there's that also yeah. connection nowadays, you guys are both writing Star yeah. Wars stuff, but uh, you know, that, that seems insanity. It seems like insanity to be a lawyer in the first place. Uh, it uh, is, then you it add is. in the fact that you want to be a comic books writer uh, if you if you guys are both just cartoonists on top of that that would be a whole other game i know <laughs> i
1: know i well i can't speak for charles's art i, I uh, my art is home um <laughs> he, he's,
0: he's not very good either and i tell you what i didn't do it with there's options for some of the things that i have where you could get like uh, uh, the the cover of like the 8 billion genies like remarked and signed from Ryan Brown and remarked and signed from Charles Soule, and I was like, I almost oh. did it because he like doodles on the cover of it, but he's not very good at it. And I'm like,
1: that's amazing
0: because now yes. there's like someone's gonna look at it, like whose three year old kid drew in the front of your comic book.
1: Uh, a lot of I know a lot of writers who have gotten very, very good at like one sketch, like, okay. like, like, like who can do a Batman, like a convention Batman. Uh, because you know, no matter what, if you do any kind of signing. There's always going to be one kid who comes up to you who doesn't know the difference between a writer and an artist, yeah. and is always asking you for a sketch. And it's nice to have one sketch up your sleeve mm-hmm. um, that that you can do so that you're not disappointing every kid everywhere.
0: I used to know a guy who was a, was a travel. He was a drummer for a band that went on tour, and he wouldn't sign autographs altogether. He would just draw pictures, oh. and so it'd be <laughs> like a cat, like a, like a really huh. rudimentary cat. And he'd just do that on like a on a poster or something like that. And just you knew everybody else's signatures would be around it. And then there'd be this one rudimentary cat in the middle and you'd be like, Oh, I know who that is. That's whoever. I it was a nobody, like not a nobody, but like they weren't like this massive, it wasn't the Rolling Stones. But like I love they, that nowadays I, I can't even remember the person's name, and it's even worse <laughs> because it's now just a picture of a cat <laughs> on that it's thing. Cat too, like, <laughs> exactly. Well, that would be insane. No, um the but I I give you credit for for a being a lawyer, you know. Um I give you credit for the fact that you tried a superhero story and I'm glad it worked. I also feel like it's such a cliched thing to say. And I used to hate when people used to say it to me, which is you don't know what it's like until you have something you have to care about. Like usually someone would say about like, you don't know what it's like until you have a kid. And right. I used to say, forget you. I know what it's like to live life. And then when I had a kid, I was like, oh, I get what you're <laughs> saying. It's another person. But it's the same thing when I met my wife and we got into a relationship we got married. It's like I have someone else that I feel like um, she's a strong, independent woman, so she doesn't need me to take care of her. But yeah. like, I have this sense of I have to take care of her. I need to make sure she's okay. You know, she's yeah. been through an illness. I have to make sure that she's okay. Same thing with my son. And having this, if all this got ripped away from me, what would I do? And you know, like, what? How would you? How would you? I don't know. How would you like I, the whole Walking Dead thing to me? Which is like, how would you right. kill people to make sure your family is safe? Is that's the huge thing why I love that show and that comic book from Robert Kirkman was you always were put in these specific situations that would you kill or would you do this to, you know, to do this. Yeah. Punisher-esque is like, he's really doing it as a, uh, you know, getting back at the people who did it, not protecting the people, which I guess this is the same way. I'm, yeah. I'm, well, I'm it's interesting it.
1: I, to me like that's, that's what makes it interesting is yes. like at what point do you cross that line? Yeah. And, And it becomes vengeance, you know, like I'm very interested in in all the different lines um, and all those different moments where you cross them Um, Mm -hmm. and. And in many ways, in many times, like you don't even really know that you crossed the line until you look behind you and there's a line, you know. Um, So I, I that that's that's very much like what we're playing with with Torrent, and um, you know, it's it's really kind of it's very gratifying because you know, um, Justin and I have been working on this book for a while now, and um, we really like the response we've gotten is great like it's it's some of the best reviews of of certainly my career i can't speak for justin but like you know i think his career as well like it just really seems to have resonated with people in this this really terrific way which uh you know is is hard like you said you know hard to do in in today's marketplace
0: i feel like it's just one of those weird things you just don't you don't see people who will try it that often because they're afraid of like let's do something else which is funny because it right this moment like, I feel like if you and Justin were to get together, like let's write a book and it became a horror comic book, you might also, technically that might be a worse thing to do because of <laughs> how many horror comic books are out there right now. That right. There is, it may, you stand out at least at this point because <laughs> you have a superhero comic that people, not a lot of people are doing superhero comics. And that's, that's the great
1: thing about it too. I'm, you know, for better or for worse, I've never been the type of writer who really thinks much about the marketplace. <laughs> um, and, you know, yeah, and you know, there's probably pros and cons to that, to be totally honest with you. Um, but I, I'm very lucky that, you know, for the most part, I've really just been able to pursue the stories that interest me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's particularly true in the creator-owned space, you know, um, you know, which I think is again part of the point of doing creator-owned books is like, so you can really follow your muse and and tell the stories that you, you know, are just itching to tell. You know, and because I, I think the readers can, the readers can can tell when you're sort of doing something for a paycheck versus doing something for you know the true love of the game.
0: It, it, it's funny as a as a reader and collector uh, how I've fallen not fallen out of love with with the big two. I, I've never been a big DC fan in the first place, but like I jokingly said to my uh, my LCS owner, said, "Hey, it is a possibility my pull box at the end of 2023 at some point doesn't include a, a Marvel comic book in it." And he laughs, and he's like, Haha. "I'm like, oh, it's true. I'm gearing myself so much towards this independent and creator-owned side of things for multiple reasons. But some of it's just I want different things, and that that the big two aren't giving me. And and by that I mean like Marvel and DC proper. I I, I do buy like DC Black Label stuff, and I am buying a lot of Star Wars stuff. So like there is that I'm talking, I'm talking about like superhero stuff that Marvel and DC are doing. Uh, but like this creator-owned stuff is just so much more engaging to me." Uh, and if that's me, if say I, that's me and I am trying to like not say not give my money to the big two, but like steer myself towards that creator own. you're giving me something in that space that I could enjoy oh. a similarities to the big two in a space of like Torrent, where it's like, okay, I can still get my superhero stuff, but it doesn't have to be Spider-Man. It could be someone else. <laughs> and oh, and that's cool about that. this Torrent stuff is this, it makes it a little bit different.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. By the way, I I will say in terms of like, you know, superhero stuff in the big two, like I think Chip Zdarsky's Batman work is terrific. And um, if you're not reading Jason Aaron's Punisher, um, like you're missing some really, really, really great comics. So Um, I
0: have it. I've been buying it. And that's the thing I get myself into. I I told him, I said, I I've purchased books. Every week I'm purchasing Marvel books. I just haven't opened one in months. uh, And, 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 And that's to me is like, that's the reason why i might go at some point being like i'm buying these books why am i buying these books i'm not going to read them and that's where i said to myself and well, maybe i won't buy one at the end of the year uh, but i feel like what's going to happen is i am going to read something like jason aaron's punisher run and then go crap and then i'm going to yeah, buy it all I th- I think,
1: yeah i think i think if you read uh jason's punisher you'll um you'll just like binge it like you know and you'll, you'll just want more and more because it's it's really really great it's like one of those rare books and particularly those rare superhero books where I have no idea what's going to happen next. Mm. And, um, you know, and it's also interesting Jason's ability to sort of give you a look at a character that you've known for decades and still learn something new about them. I think is, it's kind of unmatched and it's, it's a very, it's an impressive talent that I wish I had. Um, he's really, really great at that. Um, yeah, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend that book.
0: And that's one of those things you mentioned, Jason Aaron. I, I just listened to a recent podcast from a, a off-panel podcast with David Harper, and they had he had Jason Aaron on and talking about. I give people like that who cre- create and write other characters, like I mentioned, the Han Solo and, and Chewbacca, and writing something that people already know about, like creating new stories about characters that have been around for years, seems super difficult. And they are able, like some of these people who are write for Marvel and DC, are like able to just do it no problem and you write stellar stuff and i'm just like how do you do this
1: it's a very specialized <laughs> a super specialized skill um very 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 true um yeah i think you know it's it's one of the things i think you know that makes it that's why when you when you see it done really well yeah it's very very good. Yeah. and you know and it, and it keeps you engaged with with those types of books
0: i think one of the reasons why i love dc or, or, or i should say dc marvel was what got me in the first place was the big story arcs and the big crossover events yeah. and i just feel like those haven't grasped me enough over the past few years to have made me really want to like buy every issue that has every title across the top of it and i think that's when i like i'm not going to do that and not be in love with that part of it why not go over to an independent thing where torrent lives in its own for right now right. or you know you know something's yeah. killing the children has multiple different avenues notebook i could read that and it's like its own little in- independent thing whereas spider-man if i read spider-man and only read spider-man i might still lose out because it might be like a character or storyline that i'm like the hell does that mean i have no idea what's going on and that's the thing i wish that the civil war and secret invasion aspect of marvel would come back because i love those two stories and that's what i miss about it so that's probably the main thing individual runs i probably could do Uh, as of right now I'm, i'm big on the independent side and that's why. I read a. Well, I don't have enough time either. I just realized that the other day when I was like reading, I'm like, "Holy shit! I have to read all of these things just to prepare for the podcast. <laughs>
1: let alone what I want to read." <laughs> There's but a lot I, of comics out there, man.
0: But I did say to someone a couple weeks ago, which was, I'm so glad I do the podcast because I, there are some things that maybe either creators or comics in mm-hmm. general that I would never have potentially even cracked open if it wasn't for yes. being quote-unquote required to read it as a preparing myself for the podcast that I have now fallen in love with and now I will either read this entire series or read everything from this creator and that's what's cool yeah. about doing this too is I'm I'm also almost forcing myself to read things that I didn't take the risk on before and now I'm able to uh, or I'm not forced to but like I said I hate the word force because I'm no one's forcing me to do anything but like it required well, reading to make uh, sure motivated. I know. Yes, yes, I'm motivated to it. That's a good one. We did that the other day. We read. Uh, we were doing a graphic novel club at my LCS, and we read uh, Superman: Last Son of Krypton. And the overall oh. consensus to most people was the only reason they read the whole thing was because they were quote unquote forced to to finish the book for the book, the reading club and Uh, we just don't have a lot of superman fans in the club so that was the big thing but it was uh, kind of funny i was like no one forced you to read anything you could come to book club and say guys i didn't read it and just have fun eat pizza and have a drink (laughs) yeah no one forced you
1: it it shouldn't be it shouldn't be work for anybody no
0: so if you don't like it don't read it move on to something else If you don't like it read torrent no um the yes please The other book you have out too. So grab that. So I, we'll, we'll touch on some other things. I don't want to go too long here, but I wanted to grab into a couple of these different things in here. So Torrent's great. Uh, Torrent is available from Image. It is a reason. I, I hate to say this as a reason, but uh, what made the decision on going with Image over potentially going with someone else? Is it just because Image decided to take it on, or
1: um,
0: you know, it's a good question.
1: Uh, look, I think Image is great. Uh, Image offers a really, really fantastic deal for creators. <laughs> um, you know, I think. Uh, you know, I think it was it was really, really sort of born out of the fact that uh, Justin and I were both doing other things at Image at mm-hmm. the time, and we had this relationship with Eric Stevenson, the publisher. Uh, and by the way, he like read the first issue and totally got. It. Like, I think mm-hmm. that was probably the biggest factor. Is like. He he saw what we were doing. And he was very very supportive. Um, and if he was less supportive or less interested, we probably would have you know gone to look for another publisher. Yeah. Um, but it just fell together very easily and organically. And you know I'm a big believer in sort of you know not so not necessarily letting fate run its course, but like you know when you know when you're getting that kind of sign from the universe, like oh okay, Justin and I are both in image on separate projects. You know Eric really digs this book you you'd be foolish to uh, you know to course correct at that point. Mm-hmm. um you know, um and and it's similar, like you know, like last flight out, uh, I did with Dark Horse because the folks at Dark Horse really, really dug it, you know, and and they were they were like super excited by it uh, to the point where like i I had told them i was that I was doing it just because they had asked what I was working on. Um, I wasn't pitching it to them but they were so like oh we would love to publish that that i'm like okay you know like that that i I think that type of enthusiasm is uh you know that's that's worth its weight in gold and and um i tend to gravitate you know one project or another to whoever seems to be the most interested in it not because they're gonna pay me more money just because they've got more passion for it Mm -hmm. um i i think like i said that passion is uh you know i think very important um so, yeah, so, like you know, last flight out, uh we published uh as you know six single issues, and it's now collected in a what I think is a pretty gorgeous looking trade um, uh, I, I, and uh, you know, I will um, agree yeah, with so you people, on that <laughs> i okay. think
0: it, it's it's one of those I don't know if it was key comic collector or some sort of social media something that said to me you should read Last Flight Out. And so I was like, oh, I'll read Last Flight Out. And I became one of my favorite comic books of, of, of oh. a long time. And that's when the original, oh. uh, you know, guy wheels turning my mind about having you on the podcast was originally going to talk about Last Flight Out. And oh. then I was like, well, there's a lot more other stuff to talk about too and stuff that we can actually be more relevant to time. But you, everybody, whoever is out there in the history of mankind should go buy at a local bookstore or a comic book store, Last Flight Out trade, because it is an unbelievable comic book, so. I'll give you credit for that. Thank you.
1: Thank Not you very to make much your head really swell
0: or up very big. No, <laughs> I'll
1: take it. Believe me. Uh, I'm, I'm, believe me, I, I start from such a deficit in terms of ego that uh, this is really, really great. Um, yeah, so like, it's fine. Like, you know, I, I start really just started writing a lot of comics during you know, the pandemic when the lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. And it's just by coincidence that they've all come out in the last four months. So um, we've got Torrent uh, that's an ongoing last flight out. Two Dead to Die, which is a graphic novel I did it with yes. Howard Chaykin, also published through Image. Uh, that was the other Image book I was doing, uh, as well as another Dark Horse book called Fragmentation uh, with Benny Lavelle uh, and Chris Sotomayor, um, doing some gorgeous, both of them doing incredibly gorgeous, beautiful work. Um, you know, all, all four projects are, are, you know, have come out in the last four months. Um, so it's it looks like I coordinated it, but I absolutely did not. In fact. Had I, had I coordinated, I probably would have spread things out a little bit more so I wasn't, you know, stealing readers from myself.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, but but in the same sense, I feel like books, they don't come all out, like, they didn't come out, like, on the same day. Like, if you had all of your no, books no, on no, the same God. Wednesday, that's probably <laughs> – but, like, to, to me, I see that, like, I, I don't know, it's just the way my mind has changed over the years. Like, if I see and I read Last Light Out, for an example, I take note of who the – you know writer on it who the creators are on it, who the artists on it mm. maybe even though like, honestly down to the letterer nowadays um but who is doing yeah. what so i can know and then if the next week i go to the lcs and i'm like oh my gosh i didn't know mark was doing this book too it's, it's a, there's a benefit of that if you did one thing one project at a time mm. someone might forget Perfect. that they're a big fan so like i, I could understand that uh because single issues coming out you have one issue to read and then you have to wait a month and so one issue to right. read, and then i can right. read fragmentation in the meantime or i can read two yeah. to Die in the meantime so there is a benefit to that and then there's just a emptiness because you are working on the next project (laughs) there's nothing there (laughs) but yeah i want to say uh it was i tried to think of the name i was listening to another podcast and i think it was kyle starks was saying that that's how he got i hate this place at skybound image was that he was just talking about a book that he was thinking about doing to robert kirkman Uh and then whatever at at a comic-con and then it never happened and then later on they were talking and he's like you should just do that book you pitched to me and he's like why well, didn't pitch? Huh? I didn't pitch anything to you. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, yeah, that one about you know whatever. And he goes, oh, I I was pitching to you. I didn't know I was pitching to you. Okay, we'll make that. Fuck.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> always said, great. <laughs> I, again, I always like it when something like that happens where it's just purely organic, and you know, <laughs> it's also great that Robert remembered that pitch or not that non pitch.
0: Um, that non-pitch that yeah, conversation. He's like, "You should do that." you like, "Well, that was just me talking about my grandparents." I don't know. I know <laughs> now. You should write a comic book about I love that. It. No, uh, it's it's kind of funny how that works in that sense. That like I said, take the pressure away. You don't have to worry about like, quote unquote, getting nervous for, for pitching something. Yeah. Be like, I didn't realize I was pitching
1: this to you. Cool, we'll make it. It's always the best part. It's always the best way to do it.
0: Uh, and uh, so, fragmentation. So one question I had about fragmentation is so. You had re- I heard a quote from you saying that it's the comic book equivalent to a Christopher Nolan feature film. Can you expand on uh, that and if, what you meant a by Christopher
1: that? Christopher Nolan feature film, if if the feature film was also a family drama at its core. Yes, um, yeah, so basically, yeah. The you know the idea is basically there are these fragmentations, these this phenomenon that's happening all over the world where these windows, essentially these portals into uh, past moments in history are are opening up and this ex-husband and wife have to work together um and try to solve what's causing them so that they can be stopped before everyone panics and you know uh there's worldwide riots and and you know and mania um and it is really fundamentally about, uh, you know, these grieving parents who had lost their child, you know, 10 years earlier. And how do they, you know, work together again after all this time with all this grief? So it's got like a real emotional core to it, um, in addition to some, you know, hopefully mind blowing, you know, visuals uh, from, you know, Benny and Chris. Mm mm-hmm.
0: It is. It is beautifully created too. And, and the question I had to. I always ask this question when people do an OGN versus uh, single issues. Is there a reason why it's a graphic novel and not a trade or a single issue, comp? Um. You know. Uh.
1: That was just what Dark Horse. You know. Um. Had asked for it, originally. It was. You know. Again, it sort of came about where they're like, we'd we'd love to do some stuff with you. Um, basically, as I recall, we were on a zoom and I'd shown them last flight out and they're like, do you have anything else like that? Um, you know, where it it was like a hardcore sci-fi premise with a family, you know, Mm -hmm. storyline at its center. And I'm like, well, I actually do have this thing called fragmentation. Uh, and I pitched that and they were like, oh, that would make for a great OGM. And I was like, great, let's do that. Also, I think because you know the concept of fragmentation so lent itself to a story with beginning, middle, and end, it it made it made the most sense.
0: It does. I mean, I I've mentioned multiple times to people that I'm a big floppy comic book fan, anyway. uh, But like, it's one of those things that's like I have a bookshelf that's slowly growing with with graphic novels and trade paperbacks on it, and some of them are just because it's the only way that's available. And I do enjoy. I I don't like. The available, the, the softness of a floppy comic book, like I just don't like that it's like so flimsy and in you know can get ruined so easily. Uh, whereas a graphic sure. novel or a trade, there is that you know novelness to it, so that that actual like thickness to it that you can actually hold on and you not feel like you're gonna hurt it. Uh, and so there, there's right. the benefits to that. But I'm a big like one, two, three. <laughs> so <laughs> so I was actually when I found Last Flight Out, I read it. I bought it digitally. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I'll just read it. And then I was like, oh, I need to have it. So I went out and found all six issues. Like, hey, I, need, I need the single oh. issues. <laughs> I can't <laughs> I do the victory. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great, That's it, literally, I don't know. It was probably a runner up for a lot of best comic books of the year, but that's only because it was so far away and I'd read it so far away that I don't remember. I don't know why, but it's one of the best all comics good. of the year. Of what year? 2021. Um, well, thank you. Two? Here, uh, uh, April 20th. So April, yep. uh it's the sixty two wrapped up in April, yeah. Trade paperbacks available now. Buy it, people. I'll tell you right now, um, buy it. Uh is is Han Solo and Chewbacca, does they do I don't I don't follow it enough that do they do trades of these afterwards? Is there gonna be a trade of this of this Han Solo Chewbacca book? Yeah, The
1: the first five issues are out in trade now okay. and then we'll publish in a second. Uh and I would love if at some point Marvel collected all ten issues into one minibus. Um yes. so, I'm just going to put that out there into the universe. So maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe I love
0: also happen. the idea of it kind of cool is all these different offshoots they're doing of these characters to do like um, an omnibus that's like, here's the Yoda. You know, what, what was the other one that just ran yeah. up? Oh, the Mandalorian. But just saying like there's something yeah. that they could like do like Han Solo, all these different things together. And I think Star Wars comic books are at their peak right now. Uh, if anybody's not a big Star no, Wars fan and you're I not agree. reading them, they are, I mean, some of the best things that are out yeah. there. The Darth Vader series is amazing. Uh, all the new High Republic totally stuff agree. is really good, too. So that's really going to be kind of fun uh, for people to see that stuff out there. But this Han Solo and Chewbacca series is great, too. Now that it's wrapped and it's going to be in trades, so those people who are trade waiting, here you go. You're ready for it.
1: We're here for you.
0: Is Torrent an ongoing series for you, or is there going to be a mini series?
1: No, it's an ongoing.
0: Okay. It's that's an ongoing.
1: Uh, uh, Justin and I are talking about the second uh, arc as we speak.
0: That's awesome. I'm excited for that. So the second issue of of uh torrent comes out March twenty second, I believe. The first issue Correct. hopefully is sold out at all your comic book shops. But if it's not, grab it at your LCS because you need to read that. And if it is sold out, you can find it digitally online. Uh yes. from like I guess in comicsology or things like that, have it. Yeah, just don't torrent it. Getting, that's the funny thing is for these some of these comic book names you have to like you google it and you're like shit i have to add comic book at the end of it because if i don't it's yeah exactly. and then it's gonna be even like torrent comic book like it's like
1: torrent <laughs> what comic book you know yeah it's it's kind of a funny who's on first torrent image
0: comics number one mark google you have to do everything just to find it online no i uh, go to image comics obviously it uh, has it on there as well uh, and, and also i recommend justin greenwood's uh, Area Five Ten as well, so check that out. Also, he's that's a rough. great artist. So, um, but yeah, so uh, Fragmentation is also out on uh, Dark Horse. That's available. That came out in January. Uh, that's a, a great book. Yeah. I, I, I'm halfway through. There's too much stuff to read, and I uh, it's funny. I actually got further through it without moving from recording yesterday to today, which is great. Oh, <laughs> uh, But I also Good realized help. that Melissa had sent me as well in an art in a thing issues two, three, and four of Torrent. <laughs> that I didn't know yes. were in there. And so I was like, oh, crap, uh, I, could have been re- I could have been reading these this whole time. <laughs> and so I have to read those now too. But um, Star Wars, Han Solo, and Chewbacca just wrapped up. But also they said too soon to die. Uh, and you've written a bunch of other things. I have in my poll box at my LCS's Stringers as well, the, the trade on that. Oh, and cool. I haven't, got, I haven't got to pick up yet because I just, I forgot I was in there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to read Stringers as well. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, are you so? I, I said to other people in the past who uh, have come on uh, tomorrow, uh, as in well, we're recording this tomorrow, uh, Wednesday the eighth. Mark Bernardin was on the podcast. His is coming out. He's, oh, TV shows and stuff like that as well. And he, I, I said, I, I, he's he, he's, uh, he's when you say I can't talk about something yet is a good thing for you creators out yes. there because that means you have work yes. in, the, in the wheels. If you can say everything it, that you're working is, on right now, means that you don't have enough going on yet. <laughs>
1: absolutely true. A thousand percent. And I love so, him. He's the best.
0: He's awesome. He was a great conversationalist. And he's, a, he's just a great dude. And he wrote a bunch of cool book, comic books. He's written a bunch of cool TV stuff. He's got a short film that I cannot wait to see called yeah. Splinter. Uh, but also, yeah. uh, you have stuff on the horizon you can't talk about, but are you going to be doing more TV stuff? Is that true? Or are you... Yeah, around. I'm
1: I'm in the process no, I'm in the process of pitching a bunch of TV shows as we speak. Um so, you know, TV is a weird time right now in terms mm-hmm. of the market, but I'm I'm excited about the stuff I've got on my slate. It's a it's a pretty good slate. Um I'm keeping busy with feature films, um writing a couple of things that yeah, I can't talk about. Um mm-hmm. but I I publish every Friday I publish a uh, Substack newsletter where I'll talk about everything that is, you know, sort of on my plate. And if I can't talk about it, like a project code name and at least, you know, sort of update on, you know, where things stand in the process, you know, that type of thing.
0: That's awesome. I love the ability for uh, creators nowadays to uh, get in touch with other people, get in touch with their fans. I think it's an awesome day we live in that you can actually like have Substack or some sort of social media where you can actually talk to and interact with your fans. And your readers are good yeah. stuff, so that's really cool. Uh, Substack has been a huge thing for the comic book industry, I believe, in that sense
1: too. But um,
0: you are on Instagram at Mark Ugenheim and Twitter yep. too. I'm guessing
1: at Interpunk.
0: Okay, I didn't know. I, nowadays, I say I'm guessing to Twitter because complicated. It, like, it's a dumpster fire over there, so I'm not on there anymore. But it is a um, little
1: bit of a dumpster. It's you know, it, it's my dumpster fire. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's also um, one of those feel like
0: I feel fire. like when you if you like deleted yourself out of like. And that transition from phone books to no phone books—that if you had like not renewed some sort of advertisement in the phone book, someone might have thought you weren't around anymore. It, it, so, like, I feel like if you delete exactly. yourself from Twitter, you might not be reaching the fans that are on Twitter. So, it's like you almost feel like That's you right. have to do it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so Twitter, a obviously, if you just search Twitter for your name, your name will come up. It's not like you're ever Yeah. you don't have a John Smith name. <laughs> No, there he's is another Mark
1: Guggenheim. There There's another Mark Guggenheim yes. out there who, what a that poor schmuck. Um, yeah. He <laughs> keeps getting you know, all the all the Arrowverse hate and everything gets directed at him, and <laughs> he must hate me. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's he's a good he's he's a good sport. Whoever. Wait, he is. wait.
0: People hate on things like Arrowverse and DC and Marvel and stuff like that. That's news to me. Come on.
1: <laughs> ah, yes. No. No. That would never happen. That would never happen. Yeah, it's everyone is it's yeah, especially on Twitter, it's all one big happy yes. family.
0: Yes, we're all everybody just loves being on there. You know, it's just talking about okay. how you how you ruined their childhood characters. Nothing, um, <laughs> nothing
1: but positive. <laughs>
0: That's you never. No one's ever going to be able to make anything correctly uh, based on intellectual property anymore. You ruined. I guarantee you, sure. you ruined someone's perception of Han Solo and Chewbacca in that comic book. They're never oh, going to no read Star Wars again <laughs> because you ruined everything. Yep, no doubt. <laughs>
1: But I'm, I'm here to help. It's part, exactly. part of my job.
0: But uh, so yeah, so check those out. Obviously, like I mentioned, Torrent issue two coming in March 22nd at your LCS. Fragmentation is available now in uh, graphic novel format. Too Soon to Die, also available. Last Flight Out, amongst other many things that you can find on the interwebs uh, uh, for uh, Mark's work, but also find him on Twitter and Instagram and Substack. You just mentioned Substack, so check that out too. Anything else you want to throw out there, Mark? Are you good to go? Um i'm good to go that's awesome thank you so much this was a lot of fun no problem at all we enjoyed having you on here and uh we'll have to come back again and talk star wars for sure i'll be in touch through through uh don't hide pr and and we'll, we'll do that for you too but um yeah thanks a lot
1: thank you